Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So in today's episode, I actually want to talk about the hip. Um, There's a part of the hip that I think a lot of people tend to forget about when we're dealing with patients with knee pain. And it's something that can be easily overlooked um, and at the same time, pretty easily treated. You know, so everyone's really in Uh, talking about always, you know, examine the joint above. So if you're examining the knee, you want to examine the hip, they don't have any internal rotation pain, maybe you do or don't have an x-ray and they don't have any arthritis and you kind of, you know, cross it off. It's not the hip. But what I want you to think about is the gluteal muscles and specifically the gluteus medius. Um, The gluteus medius is a very important hip muscle that actually may have a lot of effect on both the hip uh, or and the knee um, and the foot. Um, so it's something to really keep in mind when you're examining patients with knee pain specifically, because that's what we're talking about a lot. Um, also with pes planus though. So you have these patients with these, you know, hind foot valgus deformities and uh, pes planus, and they have foot pain. They may also have knee pain. They may also have this valgus style knee. Um, although an x-ray, it doesn't look like a severe degenerative valgus. And lo and behold, they have weak abductors. And sometimes by simply treating the hip abductors, you may actually strengthen those muscles and improve both the person's knee and foot pain. Um, again, their pes planus may not resolve completely, but it may diminish a lot of their symptoms. But this really comes into play um, with the knee and knee pain. And I think people tend to forget about this a little bit in the arthritis world. You know, if you've been on sports and sports rotations, there's a lot of data and people now are talking about, you know, how women due to their Q angle and their wider pelvis, you know, those soccer players and other cutting sports are more at risk of tearing their ACL. Um, And there is some data now that people are thinking, hey, if their abductors are weak, that allows the femur and the knee to internally rotate. And that internal rotation, again, may be one of the factors which causes this increased ACL rupture rate. But that also holds true for a knee. So people with knee pain without arthritis or people with knee pain with mild chondromalacia patella or people that come in and say, my knee's buckling, my knee's buckling inward, it's turning in, I'm falling. You really need to think about the hip muscle because if the abductor is weak, and it's allowing the hip to internally rotate, this can alter their patellofemoral mechanics. This can increase anterior knee pain, even when the amount of cartilage loss is extremely small or subtle. Um, But it can also cause episodes in older individuals with falls. And this also holds true for total knees. So if you have an arthritic knee, you want to work on that. But let's say you have a total knee that structurally, full range of motion, ligaments are stable on exam, x-rays look normal, no signs of loosening infection. You know, this may be one of those people that gets chalked up to the 15, 20% of total knees that are just painful and we don't really have a cause. But if a percentage of those anterior, those uh, painful total knees actually was due to a hip imbalance or hip weakness, 
Imagine that you can fix their knee pain and problems and make the patient happy simply by going through some exercises. So when you're examining these people, you know, obviously it is extremely important to examine the knee. Um, so if you're examining the knee, you're checking their ligaments, you're checking their range of motion, you're checking their stability, you know, whether or not this is a native knee or whether or not this is a replaced knee. Um, but watch these people walk you know, and really, really keep an eye. You know, it's obvious if someone has a gluteal rupture and they have a true Trendelenburg gait. I mean, that's obvious. You watch, you can see that coming a mile away, you know, but these are subtle little things that you have to watch. Maybe they do have a very, very subtle pelvic tilt when they load that leg. Maybe not. Maybe it's strong enough that the pelvis doesn't really tilt, but the other option occurs is where the femur just internally rotates and that knee sort of drifts inward just a little bit. They have this slight sort of obligatory valgus and you watch this little bit of internal rotation. I find the subtle internal rotation you see better when they're walking towards you. If you watch the kneecap, you'll see that kneecap just rotate in just a little bit. You know, if they have a real significant internal rotation and little valgus it's very easy to see from posterior as they're walking away from you. But the really, really subtle ones, I find that you can see those better when they're walking towards you strictly by watching the kneecap. And you'll watch, let's say we're talking about the right knee today, you know, the left knee cap stays straight and you just watch that right knee just kind of pivot in just ever so slightly. Um, so this is an abductor weakness. So, you know, really, really important to test this and you can test the abductor both with the leg and extension as well as the hip inflection. Um, so you really kind of get an assessment check the rotation, compare it to the contralateral side, because more often than not, they may actually be weak on both sides. So you won't really notice a subtle difference um, because they're equally weak, uh, but it's just weaker than their other muscle groups. So keep those things in mind. And it's very simple that if that is the case and there's no other real issue going on of taking the time in the office, and I have the patients actually lay down on the table, and I'll go over a simple abduction exercise and I'll go over the clamshell exercise. You know, for patients that have been in physical therapy or have a trainer or they exercise a lot and they have elastic bands, usually these are younger patients, so their muscles are a little stronger to begin with. And yeah, you can start with the elastic bands or if they have ankle weights or they go to the gym whenever gyms open again, since we're still in the middle of the COVID pandemic, um, they can use those machines there. But for most of my patients that I see, usually they're older, um, usually they're weaker. Um, so we start with just body weight exercises. So even if laying on their side is hard, I'll have them start by standing up. And I have most of my patients do their exercises just out of habit. For me, I always tell them Monday, Wednesday, Friday, start with 10 reps on the right, 10 on the left, because they're really focusing on a few important little things. And this is what's important is how you explain the exercise to them to make sure they do it well, is hold on to the, the sink, something stable, so they can look in a mirror. So they're watching their pelvis. They're actually watching their belt line or watching their hips and the entire time trying to make sure that their pelvis stays straight. And if we're doing the right leg first, they're standing on their left leg. First thing is make sure that pelvis stays straight and then abduct the right leg out to the side, whether or not they can do 10, 15, 20, 30 degrees of abduction, and then pause. And then on the in, kind of count one, two, three. So they're really building up strength on the eccentric coming down. And then rep two, back out. And again, down on a three count. So I'll have them do 10 on the right and then switch. And again, making sure they can stand the right level the pelvis and then do 10 on the left. And if 10 is hard, they start with five. But if they can do 10 Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then next week, 20, and then the next week, 30. And I usually try to tag these in with when they're normally there. So when are you in front of a sink? Twice a day when you're brushing your teeth. Um, the next thing is the clamshell. So I typically have them do the clamshell 
and I have them do that in bed. So they're already laying down, so you can do it first thing in the morning and you can do it just before you go to bed. And I have them, again, lay down on the actual examination room table. So I go over it usually if I'm seeing them on Monday, I say, Here, here's your 10 for the morning. We're already done, just do it again tonight before you go to bed. So they can lay on their left side, ankles together, bringing that right leg up as far as it'll go, pause, and again, slowly bringing it back down on a count of three, 10 reps on the right, roll over on the right side, 10 on the left. And this way they've isolated those muscles. For a lot of people, if they do the exercises, after about six weeks, they will see improvements. For people that don't do the exercise and return continuing with pain, or people that are extremely weak, or they really are not sure about how to do the exercises, you know, then we can always do formal physical therapy. My experience has been, though, with these subtle muscle groups that a lot of times if they go, in the beginning when they're very weak, they have them do so many exercises, and they have the elastic bands and these side stretches and side lunges, and it's just too much, and the patients wind up in more pain after physical therapy than when they showed up. So that's why I typically tend to control all of that and try to have them do it on their own at their own pace after six weeks if they're better but not completely have resolution of their symptoms. You know, Then we can incorporate formal physical therapy, but for a lot of people, they're able to do this on their own. So just very important that knees, knee pain, whether or not they're normal knees, whether or not they're mildly arthritic knees, whether or not they're replaced knees, if you have those patients, and also if you have patients with some mild pes planus and foot pain, examine the hip, specifically the strength, look at their gait, check their abductors, and if you suspect abductor weakness, focus on these exercises, and what you may find that over a six or 12-week period of home strengthening exercises, that that knee will start to stay straight, and the stability will return, the internal rotation will go away, and the knee pain will improve. And potentially, if they had a non-arthritic knee or had otherwise a good total knee, you may find the knee pain resolves completely. So just kind of put it in your bag of tricks as you're examining every knee. Gluteus, medius, look for it in knee pain. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. Until next time, you've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.